To the void. But at least it's summer. You were never delicate. Metal was no match. A sentence. Needs a predicate to make the grammar natural. Oh, little flower, oh, tiny bee, the softest part of smallest you has turned out so audio is a small sketch I wrote last summer when I was reflecting on a friend whose sharp edges were out and cutting up those around her. I felt bruised and not particularly generous in the moment, but I was trying to find compassion and not condemn the entire person. Oh, little flower, oh, tiny bean. But sometimes it just needs to be said that people, despite their best intentions and efforts, can turn out so mean. What do you do in that situation? My better self wants to speak up and at the least say ouch to those sharp edges. I aspire to be able to say immediately, hey, that's not cool when bad behavior is directed at others. In this case, I did neither. Instead, writing a little sketch of a song that I never showed anyone. I've got some growing up to do. I'm writing today from my porch, with Carl snoring beside me. I've been home a week from finishing up the last of a long cycle of projects, some of which I hope to share with you in the near future. As I hinted at last month in my sidebar from Ely, Minnesota, I filmed a few scenes for a friend's movie. Movies take a second but I hope that by next year you can see what we made. Being on set and seeing my friend Thrive directing a feature she wrote was an amazing experience. Over the last year, I've applied for two big-time jobs at big-time places. I was a finalist for both, having to complete multi-day in-person interviews, and I recently found out I got neither of those jobs. Them's the breaks, I know. But let me tell you, as someone who had never applied for a job before, I don't know how y'all do it. Ouch. And finally, my year at the University of Chicago teaching and writing a new musical is over. My colleagues and I wrapped up with a super cool class and a fantastic cohort of students. Then we did a two-week staged reading of our show. It is such a huge and rare occurrence to have seven actors, a music director, an audio engineer, a video crew, all these folks in one room for an extended period of time making a thing. I don't know when the next time that can happen will be, so it made it all the sweeter to have the opportunity. I savored it. Our presentations went well, and now we're looking for a production. 
Soon I'll have video to show you. I'm used to having to keep these kind of long-term musical collaborations under wraps, but in this case, we need to spread the word about what we made. So you, my friends, are the beneficiaries. Stay tuned. Maybe this list of things sounds shiny and awesome. Being in a film, being a finalist for two amazing jobs, writing a new musical and teaching at a prestigious university. Yes, these things are shiny and awesome, but that is exactly the problem. They are so extremely shiny and awesome that now that they are done, that I didn't get the jobs, they leave a shiny and awesome void. An emptiness, not just on my calendar, which had been packed for the last 10 months, but in my artistic practice, also known as my soul. This emptiness is natural after a big project finishes, when you return from a long trip or a large experience, and it can be important, even healthy, to take time to be in it, to feel the difference between being on and being off. But what I'm coming home to is of a more sinister quality, because there is no end in sight to it. Sure, I have a couple delightful days scheduled, but there is no future project on the calendar, no steady income to support me, no impressive thing that I can tell you about just over the horizon. There is only a quiet, humble vacuum where there once was a bustle, a stillness all the more profound for the chaos that preceded it. As a freelance person, it's always been up to me to keep the calendar full and flowing. Obviously, I've done a pretty good job of it to get this far, but lately, I've been striking out at finding the next thing, leaving a hole of indeterminate size in the future, a void-shaped void. Hey y'all, let me interrupt this tiny violin serenade with some nice news. I've got a few in-person gigs this summer here in New England. I will be co-billing with my siblings in Spouse on July 30th at the Stone Church in Brattleboro, Vermont. And then on August 12th, I'll be hosting my second Scenic Songs hike at Notchview Outdoor Recreation Area in Dalton, Mass. We hike, I play you a show, we hike home. These shows are both worth traveling for, just saying. This fall, I'll join my Welcome to Night Vale family on the road for a few shows in Virginia, North and South Carolina, Florida, and Georgia. As a long-term reminder, there are upcoming productions of Miss You Like Hell in Seattle and Georgia. Info for all of this is at erinmccown.com slash shows. Now, since I've got a stretch of time on my hands, I am reopening my teaching practice, Cabin College. I'd love to help you make an album, improve your songwriting, devise a music or songwriting curriculum, or learn how to record at home. We meet by Zoom at times that work for you, erinmccown.com slash cabin college to get started and finally the facts of life is always full featured for no cost but if you aren't subscribed on substack please consider it today it's a big help if you can't do that please tell a friend or rate review or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice thanks as always for listening and back to the pod Contemplating the void-shaped void is the kind of thing that can make your mind crack if you spend too much time thinking about it, writing about it, or speaking it out loud as a combination essay podcast fusion with a clever name. It's the kind of thing that feels almost boring in its sheer size and indefinite quality.
and I'm certainly well aware that I'm complaining here. Cue that tiny violin. But it also reminds me of two pieces of art that have stayed with me in the many years since I initially encountered them. Maybe they offer some hope. I first saw Anish Kapoor's memory at the Guggenheim in 2008. The sculpture is a giant rust-colored object, somewhat oval or egg-shaped. It takes up an entire room, rising at least two stories and touching every wall of the huge gallery. There are multiple doorways on several levels so you can see the sculpture up close. But the point is, it is so big that you can never see the whole of it. It's the perfect material embodiment of his subject, memory. A topic so large and impactful and personal, we will never get a handle on its whole shape. My empty calendar sometimes feels like the inside of Anish Kapoor's sculpture. I grew up a huge fan of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams' dry wit science fiction four-book trilogy. In one of the books, the overlords of the universe have devised what they consider the most painful, deadly punishment possible for life forms— the total perspective vortex. The victim is taken to a desolate planet where they enter a type of planetarium slash IMAX theater. Once strapped into the viewing chair, the total perspective vortex shows you your infinite smallness and inconsequence as related to the actual size of the entire universe, of multiple universes, of all known universes, knowledge, and creation. The result is immediate annihilation. The weight of any individual's insignificance crushes them completely, and they implode. Sometimes my empty calendar feels like the total perspective vortex. However, notably, one being survives the total perspective vortex, and that is the infinitely egoed Zephod Beeblebrox. He is so sure of himself that nothing can puncture his confidence. Also notably, the total perspective vortex is powered by a piece of cake, to which Zephod helps himself after surviving the vortex. This is why I love art. This is why I love books. This is why I love writing. I started this essay out with only a vague idea of what I wanted to talk about. Somewhat shamefully, in fact, because who wants to hear or read a complaint about an empty calendar? But as I write, I recall. As I write, something moves in me. As I write, I remember Anish Kapoor and Zephod and the cake. And then I think, there is no balcony or viewing platform that allows you to see all of memory, because you don't need to. You have your close-up experience, and that's all you get. And that is enough. And why would I willingly enter the total perspective vortex of my calendar multiple times an hour, when I have a choice not to look? In fact, I can set it to day mode or week mode, just keeping what's necessary in front of me, but nothing more. And then there is the cake. Travel makes me feel sludgy. While I like eating good food and have an adventurous palate, too much of a good thing is still too much. Coming home makes me want to simplify and eat clean. I've been doing a pretty good job of it, too. Not overly bothered about it, not thinking too much about what I am not eating, easily making healthy choices when faced with a pie menu. But last night, I went to have dinner with my rock and roll aunties. After dinner, they pulled out a raspberry cheesecake that was left over from a party the night before. Do you want cake? They asked. Reader, I ate the cake. 